Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. All right, Greg Vetter, how are you, my friend? I'm getting it done. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk with us. I know you're a very, very busy guy. And so for you to take some time to share with us, it's greatly appreciated. Happy to be here. I want you to spend just a little bit of time telling the folks about you and your background and how you got into the salad dressing business. Yes. Because, I mean, I like you. I know we've only just met, Greg. But, I mean, it isn't necessarily the sexiest business. So how, how did that happen? So the idea came, I wanted to start something. I am the oldest of three boys. My dad is in nonprofit work. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And so I knew that I wanted to start something because I wanted to do more with my life you know, middle class was fine, but it wasn't fine for me. And so I was just kind of actively looking for something. And I was reading books and I'm interviewing CEOs at 22 years old, asking them how they became successful, just cold calling them. Cause I was in insurance in the, at the time. And so I was really good at cold calling. <laughs> and so I went home for lunch and my mom had made me and my brothers this salad dressing ever since we were like eight years old and it was missing from my house. And so I start looking around. It's a two liter bottle of dressing. So it's not like a little mason jar. And I'm like, someone took this. There's no other explanation. And so I'm calling people and I finally get to this guy who would be the last person on your list of people that needed salad dressing that day. And so I'm like, hey man, random question. Do you have my salad dressing? And he goes, yep. Woke up this morning, was jonesing for it, hopped on the scooter, came over, knew the code to your house, took it. And now I'm over at my house crushing a salad. And I'm like, what? And so I'm like, well, bring it back. And he's like, okay, make me lunch. And I laughed and then I kind of stood there thinking about the past however many years the salad dressing never got old my brothers and I all played sports every tailgate they asked my mom to bring the dressing she made it for people during holidays nobody could replicate it and I'm like I think I'm gonna start a salad dressing company <laughs> and so I call my wife which was the main test 
And I said, hey, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start a salad dressing company. And she goes, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. And it's going to work. And I was like, really? But I thought to myself, clean salad dressing has to exist, right? It's 2009. Everybody's got good ideas. It doesn't mean they're going to work. And so I drove to Whole Foods and it didn't exist. And I drove to Fresh Market. It didn't exist. I drove to Safeway and Giant. And salad dressing in 2009 all had thickening agents, all had refined sugar, all had weird citric acid, natural flavors in it. And nobody had made clean salad dressing yet. And I didn't know why. And so I said, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then the next test came, does anyone care? And so I started calling the local Annapolis Whole Foods because I knew they bought local products. And I said, hey, you know, I finally get a guy on the phone. And I'm like, hey, I have this world famous salad dressing and I want you to try it. And he goes, okay, come in Friday and bring me your packaging and I'll see what's going on. I was much more convincing on the call. <laughs> and so I called my mom and I said, you're not going to believe this. I got a meeting with Whole Foods. And she was like, what do you mean you have a meeting with Whole Foods? You don't have a business. There's no name. There's no bottle. What are you talking about? I go, I need you to make the greatest batch of salad dressing you have ever made in your life. I will figure the rest out. So I, I went home. It was delicious. I put it in a Tupperware container, put some romaine lettuce in there because that was the salad my brothers and I grew up eating. And I walked in to this meeting and the guy walks in. He goes, all right, where's your packaging? And it was around lunchtime. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, you're busy. It's lunch. I brought you a salad. And he looks at me like I'm on drugs. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, try it. So he opens this Tupperware container up. He takes this piece of wet lettuce out, licks the dressing off, doesn't even eat the lettuce. And then he looks at me and goes, you have something really special here. You need to call the regional office. And I'm like, why don't you call the regional office? <laughs> and I'll go to that meeting as well. And so that is how we got our initial meeting. And then I actually had to figure out how to be a food manufacturer after that meeting, which is a completely different story. <laughs> Well, th there's a ton to unpack there, but what I want to talk through is, do you have a methodology, right? Is you say you were actively looking for opportunity. I would think that that's point number one, right? To be open and looking for opportunity. But how did you, I guess, synthesize that, right? When you saw an opportunity that was viable, right? I heard you say you did the wife test, which is Super important. Um, you did the, the market test. Does anybody care? But walk us through maybe your methodology on identifying opportunities and then taking advantage of them. So I was obsessed and kind of still am with Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. That's what I was reading over and over again. I bought his six disc CD set of his rare recordings and I would listen to all these rare recordings from like the early 1900s of all of these people that took something out of nowhere and made a fortune from it. And a lot of it was just kind of opening yourself up to opportunity and then also trusting your gut, but also being very ruthless with yourself of whether or not you have the ability to do this or not. 
And so salad dressing is not something that people at, you know, the Harvard MBA program or Wharton are just, you know, drooling over. They're looking for white space and, you know, hydroponic farms or meal kits or cyber this or AI, you know. And I just thought it was something that my brothers and I could do authentically because it was real. The story was real. The product was delicious and we could build something off of it. I didn't know what, I didn't know how big it could be, but I was willing to test it to see if it made me a different person on the other side, right? Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. It was like this call to action and can I do what I think I can do? Because so many people sit there and, you know, Monday morning quarterback, I'm so good at this. I can do this. Oh, this is what I would have done different. Oh, if I only had an opportunity. And it's like, well, what if you go out and make it? What if you go cold call? What if you go stand in a grocery store, which my brothers and I did for five years, standing in grocery stores, handing out samples four days a week. You want to talk about public shaming? Go stand in a Whole Foods as your peers walk up on a Saturday morning hungover grocery shopping and you're out freaking handing out lettuce. But we never thought about it like that. We were willing to fail publicly and we were also willing to do anything it took with zero excuses. Mm -hmm. There were no excuses. Mm -hmm. Nothing was an excuse. Mm -hmm. Weather was not an excuse. Stores were not an excuse. Time was not an excuse. Money was not an excuse. And it was like, if you remove all excuses, because my brothers and I played sports. And so we played in college and then we played professionally uh, lacrosse. Very lucrative business. I'm kidding. They pay you nothing. <laughs> but we wanted to see if we could do it. Do we have the ability to make these teams? Do we have the ability to compete? And the only way you have the ability to compete is if you completely dedicate every ounce of your soul to something and you remove every excuse imaginable and the only thing you do is focus on your goal. And so we took that mentality and then we applied it to business. And we didn't unfortunately have any mentors. Our family was very supportive in the grand scheme of things, not financially, but just I would say spiritually, you know, Sunday dinners were very important <laughs> as a grounding mechanism. But in, again, in the grand scheme of things, it was like, what do you have the ability to do if you apply 100% of your effort? And I don't know if people are willing to do that. I think they're willing to apply a lot of it until you start getting or crossing social norms or you start entering kind of like the world of shame or unacceptable work. And we just were like, we'll do anything. You know, we'll make salad dressing at a rib restaurant at 11 o'clock at night till four in the morning. We will drive it into stores. We will demo it every single day. We will drive to any meeting anywhere in the United States of America, mm -hmm. which we did. We would get a meeting and we go, Oh my God, that's so funny. So we're going to be in San Francisco tomorrow. <laughs> and they're like, you are? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're coming. And we would jump on a flight 
the cheapest flight we could find without a hotel room. We would have a hotel app. They would convert over at 9.30, so all the hotels were like 10% of their normal cost. We were staying in cockroach rat dens. And, you know, we did anything that we could to make it happen. So one of the things that we like to, to, to unpack on, on this show is the intersection between representation and enterprise. And what I hear you saying, and just from our earlier conversations, you, you are a no excuse uh, type guy. What is that balance between understanding the reality of the challenge and having no excuses, right? Because as a black entrepreneur, business owner, there are challenges that, that we face, from your perspective, right, which is why this this themed episode is Bridges, right? What is an effective way to take those challenges and convert those into action without creating excuses, but saying, hey, this is a challenge. It's present. Here's how I can use it for fuel or to get to the next step. So there's a really great book. It's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it's all about how people took obstacles and made them the key to the solution. And so it's simply a mindset and approach. And I think so often someone gets an obstacle and we want to make it personal to us. You know, these guys aren't helping me because I didn't go to the right schools or, you know, I didn't do this, or I, I didn't get my MBA, or I didn't do this, or I didn't do that. And at the end of the day, if you take a no excuses mentality, and there are obstacles, I'm not saying there are no obstacles. I'm saying if you take them with a smile on your face, which is a bizarre way to take them, <laughs> and you sit there, and you unpack it, and then you look at it from a different perspective, the answer is in there. And so the reason we took that kind of no excuses mentality is it gets you to where you want to go. And if someone has an excuse, they're going to use it. And it doesn't matter what it is. And it doesn't matter the age of the person or what's going on in the world. If you have an excuse, an easy button, and it's sitting there, you are going to use it. If you don't have anything to use as an excuse, an athlete's a great example, right? If you're a, I, I played defense in lacrosse. And so my job was to not let people take me to the goal or to, for them to score goals. So if no one scored goals, I was successful. If everybody scored goals, I was not successful. And so it didn't matter if it was raining or if it was muddy or I couldn't get my footing or this guy's really fast or this guy's really strong. It just is what it is, man. Here's your job. And if you don't do your job, you fail. And then you get cut. And it doesn't matter how you slice it. And it doesn't matter how you dice it. You either win or you don't win. And I think so often we like to overanalyze why we lost because we need that rational thought in our mind. And the world is somewhat irrational. And so if you try and apply this like rational methodology to your failure, 
it's probably not going to work. And it's a waste of time. And it doesn't matter. Because like when I fail, I just fail. Now, reflection is very, very important. Introspection is very, very important. Not making the same mistake twice is very, very important. And so, but taking all of that and learning from what you can learn from and then waking up the next morning with a smile on your face, getting ready to get punched in the face again, that is kind of the difference of the people that win and the people that lose because it's such a micro moment. You know, it is the Al Pacino in, I think it was any given Sunday, you know, that speech of like the inches that we need, <laughs> you know, one second too fast, too slow, and you don't quite catch it. That is the same with business, honestly, and opportunities and how you're prioritizing your day and organizing. And, you know, you kind of have to just take this mentality of like a walk on to an NFL training camp. Nobody wants you there. They didn't draft you. You got to figure out how you're going to make that squad, which means you're going to have to be faster and stronger and smarter and more ruthless and a harder worker. And if you do all of those things, maybe they'll let you be a tackling dummy. <laughs> and then you got to get your foot in the door. And then you got to be, you know, the person that you are destined to be, if that's what you want to be. And so that's just the mentality that my brothers and I have taken. And culturally, that's the mentality we've tried to build in our culture. And that's why we're still alive today, 13 years later. And I told you this statistic before, but it's 29 out of 30 consumer packaged good brands fail. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned getting punched in the face. <laughs> we talked before we hit record. I guess I want to glean from you. Right. I think it was, was Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan and a strategy until they get punched in the face. Right. What is it? How do you approach that? Right. Because he's right. It's one thing to sit aside and say, well, Netflix is losing subscribers. Why don't they just do this? Or why don't they just do that? Until it's you that's uh, that's owning the business and you get punched in the face. This is a yes. completely different ball game. So give, give us some insight. I think it's about perspective. And so I was coaching uh, youth lacrosse and it's really it's an interesting perspective when you change the way you think about pain and so there's only one universal language on the planet across all species and it ain't love it's pain and so when you realize that and that everybody is trying to avoid pain you can change the way you think about it. And so with these kids, I go, all right, guys, nobody wakes up and prays they get the shit kicked out of them. Nobody. They've got birthday parties to go to. They've got all, you know, they think they're going to go get six goals today. You're going to go out and you are going to beat them down. And it's going to change the way they play the game. And if you do that, we will win. Mm -hmm. And so... The same is true for business. Everybody always uses this phrase, best case scenario. What are you talking about? It is not best case scenario. If you prepare every day for a street fight, that almost everything that could go wrong will, 
and you prepare mentally for that, when it comes your way and you get punched in the face, if it's part of your plan, then great. You keep grinding towards your goal. And the problem is we don't prepare for that. Or we make excuses as to why we got punched in the face. Well, you know, that investor punched me in the face because they don't like me. You don't know why they punched you in the face. And it doesn't matter. It's going to happen every day. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody could plan for the Ukraine-Russia war and 80% of the world's sunflower oil comes out of there. That's an uppercut. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about your plan changing, mm-hmm. getting punched in the face, there's nothing you can do about it. You figure out another way and you don't think about it. Right? There's that great book, Who Moved My Cheese? You ever read that? Uh-huh. You wake up, throw your running shoes over your shoulder, go to where you thought the cheese was, and if it's not there, you don't sit there and cry about it and pray to the heavens that the cheese is coming from the clouds. You put your running shoes on, and you go find more cheese. And that's all you can do. And if you're getting punched in the face, okay, you got a couple bruises that day. You still got to go find cheese. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change anything. And so, you know, that's how I look at it. Very cool. There, there's so many nuggets in there. We could probably do a mini series on that. But if people want to learn more about what you do or to say hi, how can they reach out? I'm on LinkedIn. That's the only social media platform I'm on. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can just go on uh, tessiemays.com. And if you want to reach me, actually, you can write something on customer service. You know, like, hey, I have a problem with the product or something. And my mom checks those. And so if it's for me, she'll forward it to me in an email. She does all the time. Got it. This person really wants soy ginger. (laughs) (laughs) What's one parting piece of advice that you can give uh, entrepreneurs that are listening to this? Read. Just read. Consume. Because I think so often we hear find a mentor. That's hard. And it's hard to get one that understands this moment in time and the current journey you're on. But if you just take in information, like it is your job, because it is, it will give you such a leg up and it will give you so much perspective, which is 80% of it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Greg. Thanks. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.